Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the award-winning Great Indoors is proud to come to the fabulous Las Vegas Convention Center, MWC 2022. Baby, let's make it amazing. Thank you once again, Mr. Sinatra. Yes, of course, this is season five of TGI and we're still here, still here in fabulous Las Vegas at MWC Americas 2022. Uh, we, of course, are the official podcast of the GSMA and we've been joined by a multitude of guests from across the industry, including, of course, my producer and co-pilot, Louis Agui. Now, believe it or not, this is the seventh episode uh, of this season featuring some of the incredible conversations that we captured at North America's biggest telecoms and technology show. And in this particular episode, I'll be talking about a number of topics close to my own heart. First of all, I'll be speaking with Mr. Chris Gladwin, the CEO of Ossient, about data. Lots of data. Tons of data. More data than you could ever imagine in your wildest dreams. And how this data is essentially powering this new world that technology is bringing us. We also spoke with Mr. Blake Wetzel, the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Revenue Officer of Tarago, about what they specifically are doing with 5G in my home country of Canada. So without further ado, buckle up and let's get started. Okay, here we are. Good morning. Okay, we're on day two of MWC 2022 here in Las Vegas. And my first guest of the day is Mr. Chris Gladwin. Chris, welcome to The Great Indoors. Hey, it's great to be here. Really yeah. looking forward to the conversation. Great. And and Chris, you're the CEO of Oceant. You bet. Uh, and give us a little bit of your background and, and what Oceant does. Yeah. So my background is really relates to what Oceant does, which is building information technology for large enterprise customers. That's This is my fourth big startup that does that. Mm -hmm. And then before that, I used to be an enterprise customer of technologies, used to work at a big right. aerospace company, and I was one of those people that made the standard product list that everyone would use, you know, pick the spreadsheet, pick the email for the mm -hmm. enterprise, that kind of stuff. So I really learned a lot about like what it, what are the issues for an enterprise customer? What is it like to be them? Yeah, yeah. You know, and how do features matter? and um, that's really informed me now that I've switched to the vendor side, you know, building those things. I really yeah. feel like I have a, a real strong sense of what's needed. Awesome. Awesome. Great. A lot has happened in the last two years. We're on the cusp, as they say, of a new industrial revolution. There's mm -hmm. all these new technologies coalescing around 5G that we're right. talking about here um, at the show. But um, for Ocean, what how's 5G playing into your business model now and, and everything you do? Right, so what Ocean does is we provide solutions for the largest data analyzing systems in the world. Right. Not by how much data is being stored, although that's quite large, yeah. but by how much is being analyzed. Right. And the reason why we started doing that was the prior company I started made the largest data storage systems in the world. We made on-prem object storage systems. Right. And in the 100 petabyte and above category, when IBM purchased the company in 2015, we had 100% market share, like we so made all those. Data lakes, basically. Gigantic data lakes. Right. 10 exabytes, and back in right. the, you know, 2015, that was pretty big. Yeah. Um, and it was really our customers, because we got to know the 500 or 1,000 largest data storing organizations in the world really well, because yeah. we had spent 10 years of our lives 
just learning from them and talking to them and selling to them. And they were the ones that surfaced a need not only for limitless scale storage, but limitless scale data analysis. And that that's really how we started Ocean. Right. And one of the the main areas that was driving that demand was telephony, mobile telephony, and then in particular the metadata it generates. Yeah. And then getting back to your question about 5G, already the amount of metadata and data about the telco's network, you know, whether that's used for performance optimization or capacity planning or compliance, there's all kinds of really valuable mm -hmm. things. It's already very difficult to analyze at that scale. I mean, telcos make you know a trillion records an hour or some yeah, crazy yeah. number. Yeah. And what 5G is going to do, it's going to be amazing, and customers are going to love it. And one of the challenges will be is like the IT people can't say slow down, you know, to the market, stop, you know, communicating so quickly. And mm. you know, what they're going to experience is a 20 to 50x increase in what is already a challenging yeah, yeah. environment to manage just this like world's largest scale of data analysis. Yeah. So you're you're extracting the data into the data lakes. Is that correct? Well, what we are is uh, a data analysis platform. So you're doing the analytics on yeah, the Yeah, so we have a, a database engine, the yeah. biggest, fastest database engine ever built. So not only do we do full SQL, which includes the really hard stuff that most people just punt on when yeah. it comes to hyperscale, like three-way crazy joins and stuff like that. But we also do machine learning at hyperscale mm -hmm. and geospatial at hyperscale. So we're the we're the data engine. And one of the one of the most distinctive things about Ocean is there's a lot of really valuable work being done in this idea of separating compute and storage into two tiers, and it really deals with elastic mm -hmm. workloads. And and there are a lot of workloads and use cases for which that is the right solution. That is not what we do. What we right. focus on are workloads where the data being analyzed on a consistent basis, like a thousand times an hour, yeah. is at genuine hyperscale. The number of things that that query is going to need to look at is 10 trillion. Wow. So separating compute and storage is a bad idea because that smaller compute tier is going to get overrun. It's going to be relatively expensive. Yeah. And so what we do is we combine compute and storage into a single tier. Oh, okay. yeah. So compared to you know some of the largest clusters you can get from, from a remote object architecture that separates compute and storage where they'll maybe get tens of gigabits per second between yeah. their compute and storage tier, you know, we'll get 6,000, 10,000 gigabits per second, you know, wow. a thousand times physically as much bandwidth and other things. And the net net is, it, it'll just consistently perform, you know, a hundred times the price performance. Wow. And I think the challenge always, like when, you t when you talk about that magnitude of data, it, it's difficult to get your head around because the numbers are so oh, yeah. enormous. Yeah. And I always remember the challenge, or one of the existing challenges with, with big data analytics is what, what data is worthy of analysis, what data isn't, what's the right data, how quickly, what's still fresh data, because yeah. are you working around those issues as well? Absolutely, one, one of the other challenges at this hyperscale, this trillion scale, we've entered the time where humans can't ever look at the data. Yeah. So, you know, in the million scale, if there's a million rows or even a billion rows, you could have a bunch of your tech ops people like dig into the log files, because, yeah. you know, they'd often, you know, just end up having to do that, you know, some kind of situation. The challenge at trillion scale is if you were to print out a trillion rows, 
it circles the earth 73 times. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were to try to scroll through that, and I, yeah. I made the assumption like twice a second and you hit the, the down key, yeah, you know, whole screen of data twice a second, it's 600 years. Oh, really? Like, oh, humans cannot yeah, look yeah. at this. So yeah. what this really means is the tools you know, for data analysis, you know, relational database, you know, machine learning, mm. things like that. Like, you can't, you must use them. It can't be, oh, the tool's not quite good enough, so when it's really important, I'll just look at the logs or yeah, you know, yeah. just look at the data. Not anymore. That, that's one of the big challenges. So what it means is it has to work. Yeah. That's what, you're actually, this, like, you have to put faith in the machine yeah. learning and the, the it has AI, to really really work yeah 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 because yeah. you can't you can't just oh it didn't quite work right i'll just look at the data yeah, let's have out. let's have a go let's is it working no you have yeah. to wholeheartedly yeah you're press. all in yeah it's really got to go so give us an example of i mean the, again we said the data sets are huge but what is it you're analyzing and, and what are the actionable outputs yeah. uh, of that yeah so as a result of this focus at OSEAN, which is analyzing the largest data sets in the world, we've come to learn what they are. Right. Yeah, and there's yeah. only so many ways, there's really only six ways you can right. have much data. Yeah. And the biggest one is telcos. You know, the networks they have are just so giant and they do stuff so fast that the number of records about what they're doing is it, it dwarfs everybody else in terms yeah. of the size of these data sets. So some of the kinds of things that are really critical, let's let's start with performance understanding and optimization on a on a network yeah i think that 5g is the largest capital investment in human history it is, I, yeah. I think it's yeah. like three trillion yeah, four trillion yeah. dollars like yeah. i don't know what number two is yeah yeah but it's yeah, like yeah. way yeah, down yeah, the list yeah. and the challenge is when you're doing performance uh analysis you don't care about the average so you can't just like look at a bunch of stuff and then calculate the average and send it up you know, you know yeah, when you're yeah. looking at the, the raw data, you actually care about the 99th percentile of performance, the, you know, the 1% worse, yeah. the 0.1% worse, because you're not going to get a call from your customer that says, hey, performance was really good today. Yeah, yeah, you're going to yeah. get that call. When it's, it's, the, it's the real outliers you've got yeah. to be spotted. Right? So as a result, you, you can't just average the haystack. You yeah, have to store yeah, all yeah, the yeah. needles in the haystack. Yeah, and yeah. so now you're, you're at hyperscale. Like now you've got this issue. And so you're making this world's largest investment in human history is, yeah, is yeah. the te telephony industry. It's very difficult to characterize your performance now. And then you're trying to make this decision of this giant capital spend. So that's one, really yeah. understanding performance. Yeah. Another is there's a lot of compliance requirements and those just you know explode in yeah. terms of you know just the volume because of 5G again. Related to performance optimization is like troubleshooting. Like why was it slow in Chicago yesterday? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. let's go look. You know, but to do that, you've got to actually have, you know, full resolution or high resolution yeah. data. Um, so there's just a lot of examples of things like that. And do, but, and do you continue to build use cases based on the data? Because I remember even as Amdocs in our big data team, we had a network analytics division, customer care yeah. analytics division. So they, they were focusing on those data sets and then there was analytics you would apply to those particular things. So, for example, predictive fail. You could analyze in the data that maybe a network component could potentially fall over based on machine learning and trends. Yeah. And then in the customer care world, you had next best action. For example, mm -hmm. you knew through the data analysis what to offer them, uh, or next best offer rather, what to offer them. Those use cases continue to develop, but is there a point, and is, is there something you look at where you cross-pollinate the network 
data with other huge data sets to bring up those correlations. For sure. Right. Yeah, and, okay. and it includes like geospatial data gets very interesting. I mean, yeah. you need to, to look at that. And there's, there's also use cases we see like ad tech is this intersection. That's another one of these like top five largest analyzed data sets in right. the world. There's 10 million digital auctions every second. Wow. Every day. And if you want to, you've got some expensive campaign you want to run, you want to back test it on the last three months of data. Well, you kind of need the last three yeah, months yeah, of data or yeah. at least a, yeah. a good chunk of it. But then when you can start to cross you know, pollinate, you know, ad tech with location data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets really powerful and the value creation is really, really high. And are the telcos embracing that, the ones that, that you work with? Yeah, I mean, it's the biggest challenges the telcos have is the complexity of, of these kinds of systems. So, yeah, you can technically have the ability to analyze at hyperscale. And if all you do is hand over that bag of tools to a telco and say, okay, turn that, you turn that into something useful, yeah, yeah. they have to take all their top people and spend nine months kind of building this really complex thing. Yeah. That's very difficult for a telco to do because every CIO, CTO, you know, chief data officer, you know, they're, they all have the same problem, which is they have this to-do list that's pretty long, mm -hmm. and then they have this set of really high-quality experts that's a shorter list than their to-do yeah. list and so what we find in working you know with amdocs who really has a lot of expertise and decades of experience of the these real issues for telcos not yeah. just like technically this is what we need but like this is the business problem we're trying to solve yeah, yeah exactly you yeah. can deliver at that business problem level yeah and the, the real value to the customer the telco is they get to market quicker, which is always super valuable. So instead of like, it's a one-year deployment project, it becomes a three-week deployment project. Yeah. And you can do it without like taking all your best people and pulling them off every other project, which is a problem. Yeah. Just a few people, a few weeks, you know, that yeah. kind of thing is what we strive for. To do that, you know, we have to do some work up at the solution level. And we also have to partner with folks like Amdocs yeah. that like, you know, really have that expertise. And they're like, okay, this is what they really mean. Yeah, this is what yeah. they're really trying to accomplish. So this is how we should optimize. go back about 10 years and we looked at the Gartner hype cycle mm -hmm. when they had all technologies and they plopped them out where you'd get to the the peak of enlightenment the trough of disillusionment <laughs> yeah that's right but I remember for many many years it's changed its vernacular a little bit but big data and analytics was always at the top of the hype cycle yeah it was always there and there was always so much noise about it do you think now it's gone beyond the hype and it's 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 obviously it's tangible and it's real but where do you think it's going to go next basically I, I think a lot of the the reason why really promising powerful technologies hit that peak of excitement the trough of disillusion yeah is is what we were just talking about if all you do is give this amazingly powerful technology to a customer and say here you figure it out yeah the more of a disruption the more disruption in a positive way I mean, the harder it is actually to turn into something useful. If yeah. you have something that's 30% better, that's actually pretty easy. You just yeah, drop yeah, it in, yeah. you know, wire it to the existing yeah, interfaces. Yeah. Yeah. You drop in something that's 50 times the price performance, it's a challenge. It's actually harder to do. The results can be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of why you've seen technologies like that have that is, you know, technology vendors think, oh, my job is just to make the technology work and then hand it over and the customer figures it out. 
and then it becomes disappointing because mm -hmm. they may not be that great at translating it. You know, the features may not yeah. match the reality, things like that. And it just is this giant all-consuming project. So what we found is by delivering at that solution level, you know, with us, with Amdocs, with other partners that really can deliver that value, because the value that the customer wants is not, you know, I want this feature. The value is I want to solve this business yeah, exactly. problem. I exactly. want to grow my revenue. I want to yeah. increase my margin. That's always the value. But do you remember as well, because just looking back at some of the telco strategies, I always remember Telefonica Digital's data strategy, mm -hmm. which was purely to sell it to third party. But then I think, like you said, the telcos have evolved their thinking now and not just monetizing the data and seeing it as something they're digging out of the ground. Yeah. But how does it solve this business yeah. problem, you know? Yeah, I mean, you've seen that a lot. Like the whole, remember MapReduce? Kind of everybody was all excited. Yeah, yeah. Like MapReduce is not a valuable feature. It's a technology description, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How yeah. does MapReduce help me with my, you know, customer yeah. retention? Like, yeah. you know, so that was the problem is it just didn't translate. But whatever happened to Hadoop? Hadoop is still around. Hadoop, yeah. still, if you just like, you know, rip open a hard drive somewhere or, and look yeah. at the bits on average, Hadoop still has a lot of data in it, a lot right. of legacy systems. It, it was never an ideal architecture, but it was there. And it was there at the right time. A lot of people use it. There's still, you know, tens of hundreds of exabytes out there in Hadoop. Wow. So we see them, we see them at telcos. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the issue we see with Hadoop is it just doesn't scale really well. Mm -hmm. It was struggling with scale 10 years ago, and, you know, now yeah. it's 100 times the scale. and it's really struggling with scale. So Hadoop is a big opportunity, not only for us, but other vendors that have like more modern architectures. Yes, yeah. You know, we can really deliver some value beyond yeah. what, what Hoop can provide. And again, looking back on memory lane, and I'm reminiscing a bit here, but I also remember at the same time, big data and analytics was on the Gartner hype cycle. The hottest degree that was being mooted that anybody could do was data science. Yeah. Is that still the, the, the thing? It's still pretty hot. I mean, yeah. the reality is technology just in general, yeah. the, the underlying, I don't know how it is so much in the UK, but in the US, if you look at the number of people entering college, yeah. it's going down. Right. So even though a higher proportion are moving into tech fields, just the absolute number is going down while the demand just continues to go up and up. And it's, you know, COVID had its effect on that, but yeah. like the mega trend's not changing. There's every business is becoming a digital data business. So demand for that kind of talent just keeps going up and yeah. the supply is flat to decreasing. And wow. so it's not just data science. We wow. see, you know, when, you know, the kind of development we do is, you know, very high performance C++. It's a certain style of development and yeah. we, we test, I mean, we'll regularly test thousands of college graduates each year and wow. pick maybe 20. Wow. But then there's other companies that are doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And if you're one of those people that's in the top 1% of that, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, the demand yeah, yeah. like right out of college, these offers it's, it's are mind-blowing. Wow. And there's no end in sight. That's not wow. going to change. Okay, so listen, uh, I've really enjoyed uh, our discussion so far. We're going to finish now on the quick fire. Awesome. Uh, Let's do it. TGI to go round, Chris. Um, so yeah, multiple choice, whatever your preference is. And okay. It just helps our listeners get a better understanding about about yourself. So, TGI to go. TGI to go. Question number one, Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? I'm gonna go Dean Martin, for real. You know, you're the second person 
out of everyone who said Dean Martin. A lot of people said to me, Dean who? Seriously? <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, and like I said, Frank Sinatra will be here at 3 p.m. Uh, the, the wonder of technology. Uh, Boston or San Francisco? Well, I went to school in Boston, oh, okay. so I got to go. Oh, I got to right. go there. Where are you based now? Uh, we're in Chicago. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. Since in Chicago, primarily, although that changed with COVID too. Right. Used to be 40 people at, in Chicago. We all looked at each, each other while we worked right. in the office all yeah. day. Now we've got 160 people all over the world. Wow. And wow. actually next week we do this twice a year. We're flying everybody in to get together and it's the new normal. And then we'll all fly back and Excellent. work away. Awesome. I like Chicago. I used to work, well, I used to travel there a lot with Motorola. Sure, when they were uh, yeah. big in Schomburg Back in the day, man, they were, they were a monster in this yeah. industry. Now we're in Vegas, another Vegas related question. Blackjack or slots? Well, uh, the real answer would be poker. But right. if I had to choose between the two, for sure, it's going to be blackjack. And are you enjoying your stay in Vegas so far? Vegas, and the one thing, you know, I'm sure like you, I've been coming here like about every year for the past million years. Yeah. And boy, the food's gotten good in Vegas. It, it has gotten be. good, but it's got expensive. Oh, it's well. crazy expensive. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, but it is great. And the yeah. choice is phenomenal, isn't it? It's really amazing. Kayaking or hiking? Oof. I do both regularly. Um, I would say hiking though. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I just have to spend some time kind of walking on a trail. No, each day, each, pretty much each week. Cool. Lobster or steak? Uh, back to the food that we were talking about here in Vegas. Well, I'm, I know I should say lobster, but I'm going to say steak. Okay, good. I thought there'd be a New England lobster. I have another, I, yeah, I could tell you my lobster story. But... <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I went to MIT. Right. And the way that MIT worked back then is everyone, all students would show up the weekend before class and both fraternities and dorms would rush. So there's like this right. giant party weekend. I'd never had lobster because when I grew up, like that was out of my price range. Right. But. So that's like, you know, lobster season. So always, and I, I uh, ended up living in this fraternity. So there was like some, somebody's brother's uncle, neighbor was a lobsterman so they would right. buy like 5,000 lobsters for like a dollar 25 each okay right. wow. so we had this giant lobster dinner and at the end of the dinner every year there'd be like you know 100 200 lobsters and we'd, we'd have like 20 lobsters you know oh my gosh <laughs> oh my college friends and I thought that's just how you ate lobster like 20 right. at a time so then I go to a restaurant after graduating now that I have a job and I could yeah. actually and I I order lobster and they serve one and I'm like what do you What's mean one? On? Where's yeah. the other 19? <laughs> so I thought I used to think of you like you'd eat lobster like blue crab or shrimp where you just have a giant yeah, bowl yeah, of them. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine ordering 20 lobster in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be broke. Anyway, um, we've come to the end now, uh, Chris. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Um, is there any last comments just for our listeners, you know, that you'd like to import? Any predictions or anything you're looking forward to seeing? In your remaining time here in Vegas? Well, I, I mean, a, a, the easy prediction is, you know, 5G is going to change the world. And yeah. the, the cool thing about that is it's impossible to know how. Like, every time you see these giant steps forward in, like, network or connectivity or bandwidth or whatever, you can look back and say, well, YouTube was enabled by broadband and things like that. Yeah. But it's so hard to know what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, you could yeah. figure it out, you'd be like the world's best yeah, venture capitalist. Yeah. But it's going to happen. You can just tell. Yeah. And I think that's it. There's all the speculation. And that's interesting from a marketing perspective. We speculate. We imagine. We future yeah. gaze at all these different things. 
but the reality will be something a little different. Yeah, who would have thought cat videos? And yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, brilliant. Listen, Chris, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining The Great Indoors today, and I hope you enjoyed the rest of your stay in Las Vegas. Thanks so much. It was a blast. So my first guest of the afternoon here on The Great Indoors at MWC 2022 in Las Vegas is Blake Wetzel from Terrago. Blake, welcome to The Great Indoors. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Thank you for being here. How's your day been so far? Uh, other than my legs being very sore because I haven't been able to sit down, thank you for letting me do that too. It's no been great. Problem. Yeah, this is, this is a place to unwind and relax. These conversational uh, conversations can be quite therapeutic, believe me. So you're the COO and Chief Revenue Officer at Terrago. Give us a bit of uh, a background on what Terrago uh, are involved in right now. Yeah, so Terrago is a very interesting story. Uh, Canadian headquartered publicly traded company, been around for over 20 years. We've gone through some changes in the last year where we actually divested of some of our cloud and cola business, mainly to be able to focus on this upcoming adventure of 5G. Yeah. And the reason that that's interesting is because Terrago is actually the largest millimeter wave spectrum holder in Canada. In fact, we have okay. over 90% of the entire country's spectrum today. Right. So with that, it gives us a great opportunity to bring some real advanced technologies to the country and be able to advance Canada as a player in the global ecosystem. And where about I live in Canada? Whereabouts are you based? I'm actually based in Denver, Colorado. Okay, right. Um, our headquarters is actually in Richmond Hill. Okay, right. Okay, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. Now, for yourself personally, what's been the biggest innovation that's touched you over the last 12 months or impacted you? That's kind of hard. I'm a bit of a, a gadget geek, so right. innovation is always tough. I, I will actually tell you personally, it's actually been this shift we've had as a company. Um, because it's really had to re reorganize what we did as a company. But if I think from a personal technology and how I kind of live day to day, it's really the, the smart technologies that we've all kind of integrated into our lives. Mm -hmm. um, travel a lot, um, as many of us do. But being able to know that the family is safe, that yeah. uh, the doors are locked, the lights are off, and mm -hmm. you control your power, and et cetera, it gives me a sense of comfort that I didn't have when I started in this business 30 years ago. And, yeah. and you were just, you had to call and try to track somebody down to make sure. I remember my wife and I talking about, hey, are the doors locked? Did you walk through? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I can just look at my phone and say they're not locked. I'm going to lock them from wherever I am in the world. Yeah, yeah. No, and now we're all traveling again. Like you said, those things are of enormous comfort, right, when you're on the road. But what I'm interested here as well. And one of the conversations, or several conversations so far today, whether it's with T-Mobile or AT&T, is the race to 5G and how their 5G networks are built up of millimeter wave, the mid-band spectrum, whether it's C-band C that AT&T and Verizon went for. In, in Canada in particular, where does millimeter play right now in their whole 5G story? Because I think it's fair to say Canada's a little bit behind the US, as most other countries are with their 5G rollout. So how does it fit in from your perspective? Where do you think Canada is right now? Well, it's hard for me to speak about the rollout of 5G when you talk about all the spectrums. 
um, because uh, Terago as a company, we don't really focus on the B2C space. And we're not focused on deploying on a wide scale. We see the benefit, especially in millimeter, of helping the enterprise. Right. So I look at it from a different lens. Right. Um, as I you know, look at how do we go after the B2C market, it's not directly to the consumer, but it's all the things they integrate. Whether it's a logistics company, and because it's such a large country, you have a lot of logistics companies, how do we make them more efficient? How do we right. make them, how do we help those businesses get to um, building out private networks to make their businesses more effective, to make um, them run more efficiently, and to get the products in the consumer's hand. So we're looking at it from a pure lens of the enterprise, yeah. which means I don't really, we're not really concerned about deploying the size and scale that most of the people like AT&T or T-Mobile's interested in. We're looking at how do we prove out the use cases that these global enterprises have been conceptualizing, yeah, yeah. but haven't had the technology, haven't had the bandwidth, haven't had the latency to be yeah. able to do those things. And now, and it's an interesting thing being in the industry for so long, for the first time I think we have a situation where the use case and the technology and the capabilities of technologies are coming together very closely, which means we can achieve some very exciting yeah. things in the next few years. So you're basically providing the spectrum for the private enterprise network for enterprises. That's it, right? That's correct. So we're going to look at it whether it's uh, industrial 4.0. Yeah. How do you make an industrial process improve? Yeah. Um, a logistics company. How do you actually get the packages out more efficiently? Yeah. Um, things like lost inventory. But you also have the situations like mining and, and autonomous vehicles in a private mining situation. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing that we're hearing from the enterprise that's very exciting is these private networks, especially in the millimeter space, that you can actually separate them completely from the mobile device mm -hmm. and have it highly secure. Yeah. Um, and that's actually something we've heard with um, the energy infrastructure. I need it to be extremely secure. I can't have a risk where someone can yeah. hack into our yeah. mobile network. So we're very excited about that because there's some unique challenges that we believe we have the technology to help solve. So it's really, really interesting. So you sell direct to the enterprise the private enterprise network powered by millimeter wave. So what use cases are tangible right now that you're helping those enterprises with? Well, a, a couple things. We, you know, the, the use cases are still in development. So in a lot of cases it's sitting down and ideating with the enterprises. But a couple ones are um, in the manufacturing processes. Right. How do you reduce error rate and breakage and improve energy efficiency inside of the manufacturing process. Um, you don't want to waste a milling machine, and you don't want to waste materials if you're if you're mine or drilling into a piece of metal. Uh, mm -hmm. If that goes erroneous and it doesn't outside its parameters, it's wasted material. So that's all going to go back into the process and be reworked. Yeah. So that's that's a manufacturing process, but those ideas are coming out of there very efficiently. In the logistics side, one that's commonplace is lost inventory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're hearing it is, how do I understand what's in my warehouse, what's in my inventory at a real-time basis, yeah. how do I get that onto the truck, the distribution center, get it out the door in an efficient manner, and know what I have, because if we're, you know, we've had one enterprise who's come to us and they're losing a million dollars a quarter in just lost inventory that they can't find. Right. Well that helps a lot when you actually can track them down in a real-time basis through sensors in the warehouse. Yeah, But there's also, even at its 
most basic level and all the new future use cases you used autonomous driving in mines and things mm -hmm. like this we'll talk about that in a second but again from what I see is the advantages of the private enterprise powered by 5G there's a huge amount of just cost efficiency and ripping out a Wi-Fi network and replacing it with that anyway right well you don't necessarily this is not to replace the Wi-Fi network right okay. so what you're actually doing and what we're seeing and I think it's probably going to be the outcome is it's not an or it's an and Okay. So you're going to have the Wi-Fi network to be able to run mobile devices, to run less critical applications. But then you want your critical applications to be on a completely private network right. that have the enterprise resiliency and enterprise performance that you actually need. That's the critical thing. So it's not an or, it's okay. an and. Um, I, and was, yeah. I was at a conference recently, and I, I, I won't name the, the company, but they were definitely positioning it as, you know, we need less points of presence, cost rollout is so much cheaper but you're absolutely right the less critical stuff th this augments it right and, Correct. and adds that extra level of efficiency security etc right we have we have a great number of logistics companies in our in our portfolio of customers and I've been to a number of their warehouses and talked to their CTOs their challenge is that they need to be able to monitor and run a network that does not have an interference with all the mobile devices that are walking yeah, into the building. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they keep throwing bandwidth at it as a, as a solution when the reality is is they need to bifurcate the networks and the applications. Just like we've done in the cloud space, mm -hmm. you need to bifurcate it and run it more efficiently. It's not, yeah. a, it's not a just throw more power at it, it's actually doing it in a, in a manner that actually can drive it. And then you can drive sub-efficiencies inside of each of those processes. So mm -hmm. we're excited because we believe that's really the direction it's going because they don't want to rip out their Wi-Fi network. Um, there's a lot of logistics and security to be able to manage that. Reality is, is you can have devices that are using one network for one thing and a different network for a different thing. What makes, from your perspective, Canada distinct right now in those applications and in those requirements? What is it that makes the Canadian... Because living in Canada, as, as long as I have, they, they like to have a very clear demarcation between the United States and between the United mm -hmm. Kingdom, for example. What, what's the uniqueness or the excitement that you see coming out of the enterprise customers in Canada? There's really two things that right. that I think. Number one is the, is the physical size of Canada and the geographic diversity. You can't put a network in that's going to cover that entire country. Yeah, yeah, it's just too yeah. big. Yeah, yeah. With the Canadian side, it's, it's really how do you make those components in each of the major cities and in, in some of the smaller cities. Um, how do you give them the capabilities to be able to deploy it? In a lot of cases with Canada, cable and fiber propagation and deployment hasn't kept up with the rest of yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah. So wireless is the ideal solution for that. So that's really one of the things I think is very unique there. The other thing that Canada has, because it's such a wealth of natural resources, and it's a very accepting global economy, is is the fact that we want to be able to deploy the same use cases that are being deployed by a German company in Germany with their locations in Canada. Yeah, we yeah. want to be able to make this a global economy and make these replicatable global use cases. And um, I think we as technologists all have the opportunity to do that, 
to say we can now take that what you've deployed in plant in Munich, you can deploy it in Toronto yeah, yeah, and do yeah. it easily for the enterprise. It makes their life simpler. That's really interesting. Really interesting. And what have you seen so far at this show today? What, what have you seen that's been interesting or what do you look forward to seeing? Well, I, I think the, the exciting thing is, is the ecosystem. Uh, spending many decades in the ecosystem and alliances space, seeing the ecosystem starting to form and seeing this yeah. community start to go, I need to have this type of skill set, whether it's a sensor, a piece of hardware, a piece of middleware, uh, the RAN, the, the devices, all starting to work together and say, we all have the same problem. Let's start walk, working together to solve the problem. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, you come to shows, and over the, my decades of coming to uh, shows like this, is you get into someone's trying to sell you something. And reality here, and I think probably the majority of the organizations I've talked to, they're trying to solve a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the first time, it's not my my thing is better than the, the the booth next to me. It's we're solving problems for the enterprise, and we're solving problems for the consumer. And because of that, there's a a much greater willingness to work together. But two points that 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 I've heard over and over again today, and it's it, this is, is really fascinating. I think the first one is, of course, the collaboration. People now accept that Industry 4.0, the next industrial revolution, 5G use cases, can't be done unilaterally, right? People understand more than ever before that that collaboration, that ecosystem has to form in order for this to be a success. And I don't think I've ever seen that before in this industry that openness to collaborate so that's i echo that completely it's brilliant the second point you said there again i've heard it over and over and over again today and 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 these are the profound snippets or points that i take out after i've interviewed like dirty people in in three days the other one is the language is changing i'm not going to tell you i'm better than you because i have these speeds and feeds and features and functions. Let me tell you about the outcome and the customer problem we're solving. So I think for the first time, those two points, it's really been uh, super profound just in today to see people thinking like that now. It's yeah. really incredible. I'm excited because that's, I've had my entire career has been built around that customer outcome and to see the entire industry, because five years ago coming to an event and you would talk to somebody about the customer outcome, and a supplier might go, well, but ours is faster. Mm. Ours is cheaper. And now it's, no one's going to that point. They're going, well, ours has this capability that can solve these problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's exciting for someone who's really out to, to generate the best outcome for whether it's a consumer or a business. Absolutely. Okay, Blake, so we're coming to the end now, but this is how we finish our episodes. It's called TGI to go. It's quick fire, five questions. It helps us just get a better understanding of yourself. There are no trick questions. It's just um, multiple choice, two choices. So are you ready? Yes. Okay, so TGI to grow. TGI to go. Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? Easy, Sinatra. Okay, he's on here in a minute. You may have heard him already. I think we might get into trouble. We're in Vegas. Poker or craps? Poker. Yeah. 
poker. Have you played any poker yet? No. Do you plan to? Uh, probably not. I got in this morning. I haven't <laughs> came right from the airport and probably it will go right out. Again, we're in Vegas. Beer or wine? Uh, I'd have to say wine. Yeah. This is an interesting one. Singing or dancing? Singing. Okay. And here's one. Obviously, you travel to Can Canada a lot, I imagine. Vancouver or Toronto? Oh, Vancouver. Yeah. It it's such a beautiful city. It's actually become one of my favorite cities in the world. Um, oh, love really? Toronto. I spend more time in Toronto than anywhere else. Yeah. But BC as a whole is just a beautiful spot. I would recommend anybody who's not been there. Yeah. It's one of the few cities that I've brought my wife to and said, you have to see the city. It, oh, is, it is a beautiful city. Yeah, I love it. I think it's a great place. Yeah. And you're close to the mountains and the ocean. And Food's great. The yeah. people are wonderful. It's yeah. uh, probably couldn't afford to live there, but the, but it's uh, it's just a, such yeah. a beautiful city. So. We're coming to the end now, Blake. Is there anything else you'd just like to mention or impart on our listeners before we close out? I, I think the one thing I would like to, and it's really been um, kind of my pulpit, is I see a lot in the global side talking about 5G and deployments, and Canada is always left off the map. And as an American working for a Canadian company, mm. I get very, that, that kind of frustrates me because I see the potential. I've gotten to, to work a lot in the Canadian market and the businesses that are there and the potential. And I think it's because there's such a, a mindset of they'll follow in, in years. And I, I don't think that's, that's a fair to the Canadian people. So I would ask, my, my thing I'd leave to everybody is don't forget about Canada. It's an incredible place and it's, mm. a, it's a wonderful place to do business. Um, and people should start thinking about it. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great closing comment. Thank you very much, Blake. Thank you very much. So there we have it. What a great episode. They just get better every time, and uh, I really personally loved speaking with Chris and Blake. Fantastic. So stay tuned for more, and also check out amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors for more information, back episodes, and videos associated with TGI. I'm Matthew Roberts for Amdocs. I'm still here in Las Vegas, so see you next time, wherever you are.